This Janet Mefford Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. You really see the leftists for what they are when you look at their reaction to violence on the streets of their blue cities. Kim Gardner, as we told you this week, the Democrat St. Louis circuit attorney, outrageously has filed charges against the McCloskeys. That's the couple who pulled out their guns to defend themselves and their property when those leftist protesters were swarming toward their house. Now, Senator Josh Hawley and also the Missouri attorney general are opposing it. In Oregon, two state lawmakers are among the plaintiffs suing four federal law enforcement agencies that have been providing tactical officers to defend the downtown federal courthouse from Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioters in Portland because Trump's law and order is the problem, not the leftist politicians in Oregon who are supporting and enabling these anarchists and Marxists. And speaking of leftist anarchy and violence, New York City's violence is escalating out of control. Fifteen people also were shot in Chicago this week at a funeral home, prompting the hapless mayor, Lori Lightfoot, to now say the city will work work with federal agents to fight crime there. And Trump also has said he will be sending troops to Albuquerque. Is it any wonder that firearm sales have seen their greatest sustained surge ever in 2020? According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, purchases of guns have nearly doubled so far compared to the same period last year. Lots going on. And it's amazing how good the Second Amendment looks when leftists are enabling violence and calling for the defunding of the police. What a great idea that Second Amendment was. And I know my next guest will agree with me. Mark Walters is joining us, author and host of Armed American Radio. So good to welcome you back to the show, Mark. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Janet. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you bet. There is a lot to talk about, as I mentioned. Let's start a little bit with the violence in the blue cities. Back in the day, I'm old enough to remember when Democrats actually were law and order people, too. I remember the dailies, you know, Richard J. Daly in Chicago, the mayor, uh, and all the tales of the DNC convention. And he knocked uh, some sense into some of those anarchists back then. Now they're enabling the violence. How do you think this is going to play out now that Trump is being allowed into cities like Chicago? I think it's going to work to his advantage. I've been saying this for a long time on radio. If you show me an American city in decay, I'll show you an American city controlled by Democrats at every level for decades. And I've dared anyone, anyone, to refute that. It's impossible. The Washington Post tried and embarrassed themselves when they listed the top 100 cities, and they could only come up with two that had mayors that were Republicans. One was Jacksonville, and I think the other was somewhere in Arkansas. But the fact of the matter is that I think this is playing into Trump's hands for the election. And if you want to talk about a silent majority, a lot of people are seeing this now for what's happening. They now put two and two together and make four out of it and see that it is, in fact, the usual suspects. It is the city of Chicago. It is the city of of Baltimore. It is the city of St. Louis. It is Los Angeles. It is Portland. These are Democrat-controlled cities. Is this the way we want the rest of America to look like? And I don't think Americans want that. In fact, I'm positive Americans don't want that in November. No, they don't. And you look at some of the statistics, at least 70 people were shot in Chicago over this past weekend. There were 25 people struck by gunfire on Monday, the funeral home sabotage there on Tuesday. It's day after day after day after day. What is stopping these blue 
Democrats running these cities from establishing some law and order? Because why in the world would liberals be for law, you know, be against law and order as far as the regular citizens? Why would people be for this? You know, that, that's a great question. We've asked it for years. Honestly, Janet, I don't really know the answer to that. You would think that a mayor, well, actually, I, I can't, it's, sometimes it's really hard to blame the mayors. Why? Because they get put into office by the voters. And at some point in time, you've got to start blaming voters and say, what, is, what are you thinking? Yeah. Why are you continuing to put up with this? I mean, we know the definition of insanity is widely recognized as you know, doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. But at some point, you've got to lay this at the foot of the voter <clears throat> excuse me, and say, what are you doing? Why won't you try something different here? And I think the politicians are playing, because the Democrats don't have any convictions. They'll play to wherever they have to play to get a vote so that they can get their ultimate goal is power. And as we see, you mentioned Gardner in in, uh, St. Louis. uh, Listen to her opening statement when she was first, when we first mentioned what was happening with the McCloskeys. Here's the statement from the prosecuting attorney. The first line, I'm alarmed at the events that occurred over the weekend where peaceful protesters were met by guns in a violent assault. Unreal. Instead of what it, what she should have said and what any intellectually honest person would have said is, you know what, I'm alarmed at the events that occurred over the weekend where peaceful homeowners were assaulted by violent protesters who were trespassing on their property after breaking into the neighborhood. Yeah. But that's not the way she saw it. She saw the homeowners as bad. Now, we now know she's taken about $70-some-thousand from Soros-funded PACs. We know where the where this money is coming from, and over the years, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, all she's doing is political payback, and then she says, "Well, I don't want to seek a jail sentence." Why are you prosecuting them? Right. When you don't want to seek, you have no convictions. That's just proof positive. They don't have convictions. They simply want power. Americans, be- Americans better open their eyes. Come November, this country will never be the same. This, this is, election is more important than the than the uh, Abraham Lincoln election, I believe. Well, it really is. Talk a little bit too, Mark, about the rights that the McCloskeys actually do have under the Castle Doctrine, for example, which has been yeah. brought up by the Missouri Attorney General. Uh, you know, people mostly will know in this audience what the Castle Doctrine is all about. But what about brandishing weapons? outside your home you know the media was all agog oh how could they do this but of course yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the media be- that's the media mediating right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the media mediating it's what the media does yeah and, you know it's what the left leftist just left it's, it's just what they do you know we make up words on our show so i'll make them up on yours too. i like but, it yep. uh, but people understand what i mean by that it's just the media being the media aghast at guns and this story, I'll, I'll try to combine with that, with that mass potential mass shooting we had in Indiana a couple of days ago that the ABC, NBC, CBS, MSDNC, and CNN still haven't covered, to my knowledge. Yeah, we'll tie them together. But the McCloskeys under Missouri, under Missouri law, Missouri has a very strong castle doctrine law. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The McCloskeys' gun handling skills need a whole lot of work. Yeah. They were atrocious. Okay, <laughs> yes. but that's that's not the point. The point is that they were lawfully brandishing those firearms on their own property during what they considered to be a threat against their lives, their safety, and their property, which is legal under Missouri law. There should be no charge here, none whatsoever. Now, should they fix those gun handling skills? She's already admitted that. That's why she turned over the inoperable gun to her attorney. That's all fine and good. The fact of the matter is these people had just seen their, you know, their neighbors, you know, their city burning. They saw violence in the streets, and this is not the first time this has happened in St. Louis, is it? 
We can go back to Ferguson. They had every right to be in fear for their life. And as a result of that, they lawfully protected their property. And now they're being scorned. This is a political persecution by the mainstream press and a leftist. And the media was all over it. Let's contrast that briefly with that mass shooting that was stopped in Indiana, just outside Indianapolis, back a few days ago, when an individual got out of his automobile, randomly started firing at two employees working in the cemetery, killed one, executed him, started firing at the other, errant gunfire, hit hit a vehicle that was stopped at the light. The individual in that car had an Indiana CCW, was wounded, got out, and ended the carnage by shooting the killer, who was in the process of just getting ready to execute his second victim before Lord knows how many he would have taken out. The mainstream press never touched it. Why? Two issues. That killer was black. The two victims were white. I believe that if the race was reversed, the media would have been all over it. Or maybe they wouldn't have, because the suspect or the the individual who killed the suspect on the spot also had a CCW permit, which there's two issues right there. The media simply doesn't want to touch. They don't want to touch the race issue when it's a black man killing whites. They don't want to touch the issue of a CCW permit holder. Aghast, forbidden, actually stops a violent attack. And when you combine those two things, race should never be an issue, period. But they've made it an issue until they don't want to make it an issue. And that's a lie of omission. That's the way they operate. Yeah, that is the way they operate. One of the things that comes to mind when you're talking about what happened in Brownsburg, for example, is this new Trump ad. I'm sure you've seen this, Mark, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have seen this as well. But Trump is capitalizing on this defund the police movement and the fear that Americans do genuinely fear about what would happen if their own towns or own cities were to defund the police. I want to get your take on this description, which I'm going to give when we come back from this break. Mark Walters with us from Armed American Radio. We'll pick up the conversation right after this on Janet Meffer Today. This is Janet Mefford. We're partnering with Bible League International on Fan the Flame, Bibles for Asia. That's the theme of our new campaign. And our shared goal is to send 1,200 Bibles, both to new believers and to those who've been praying many years for their own Bible in countries like China, India, and Nepal. Imagine strengthening the faith of a new believer in China like Washi, a 30-year-old wife and mother of two who overcame illiteracy two years ago and is yearning to read her very own Bible. Or Jirish, an 80-year-old man in India who followed Hinduism for decades, but is now a new Christian determined to follow Jesus Christ. You can join the Janet Mefford listening family in sending a Bible for only $5 or 20 for $100. Call 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Just look for Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia. Thank you for caring. Many people in developing nations have no access to desperately needed medical care. That's why Mercy Ships brings volunteers aboard our hospital ship, the Africa Mercy, to give the world's forgotten poor the free medical care they need. We have an immediate need for registered nurses, especially with a pediatric specialty. As a volunteer nurse, you won't just give life-altering health care, you'll receive so much in return. 
It's an amazingly rewarding experience. You'll give hope and make a difference in the lives of those who have virtually no access to medical aid. It's such a fantastic thing to do. Everybody who I've met on this ship either wants to come back and do it again or they're already here for the second, third, or tenth time. So what are you waiting for? Show mercy to someone today. I would say go for it. Get more information and learn how to apply by visiting mercyships.org forward slash nurses. That's mercyships.org forward slash nurses. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now here's Janet. It is always a delight to talk with Mark Walters, author and host of Armed American Radio. Just a fantastic show that Mark does every single day. And it's always just so great to have you here. Mark, we're talking about the violence in these blue run cities across America and Trump now being called into cities like Chicago and Albuquerque and elsewhere to try to quell the violence. One of the things that really strikes me, especially in light of this news, that the gun sales are just way up this year, just for the first six, seven months of 2020. We now saw this Trump ad that's come out, and I think it's brilliant. It's getting a lot of traction on social media. But it is an ad featuring this older woman in her home, and she's watching TV, and they're talking about defunding the police and, you know, what's going on with defunding the police across America. And all of a sudden, you see a shadowy figure in the background, and somebody's trying to break into her house. And she dials the phone. She takes her little phone next to her, and she starts dialing 911. Thank you. We can't take your call right now. And I thought... What a brilliant ad, because that yeah. gets to two things. It gets to the heart of people wanting law and order fundamentally, but it also gets to the heart of what you have been stressing for such a long time, Mark, and rightly so. And that is the importance of the Second Amendment, because what is your right. response if you are not able to call the police? And we've said for years, even if you do call the police, you know, he's not going to be there for several minutes. So, so how do you defend yourself? Right. What are your thoughts on that as a political strategy? It's brilliant. Utterly brilliant. And this is why Trump is so this is why Trump will win in November. He's in tune with the people, just like he was in 2016. He understands how corrupt the media is. And and I want to give you an example. And I'm going to pick on Fox for just a second because I can and we need to in this particular case. Trump understands that the vast majority of Americans think defunding the police is is just utterly idiotic. Yeah. He understands that. Now, if you parachute in from some other world and turn on the news, you would think America was all burning. You would think we were all going to be dead of COVID in the next two months. <laughs> you would think that, you know, we were all going to die of gunfire. Europeans are scared to come here. They don't want to visit the United States because of the media coverage. That's what you would think. You would think that the vast majority of Americans want to defund the police if all you did was watch quote-unquote news shows. So I flipped on Fox and Friends one morning a couple weeks back. And here's what I heard, uh, Ainsley Earhart, as she was going to a break, say, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the national debate to defund the police. We'll be back after this. I screamed at my television, Ashley, there is no national debate to defund the police. There's not. But that's what I mean. The media coverage makes it appear that there is. And the media coverage can take, as you know, one little instance and blow it into proportion because it gets national coverage instantaneously. You've got probably 15 kooky leftist leaders that are pushing this idea and a bunch of liberal pundits that are talking about it. Trump understands that 99% of America wants nothing to do with that and thinks it's as stupid as he does. And he gets that. He's, he's, He's tuned in to where the people are thinking. He also knows 
that Americans, as you alluded to in the first segment, uh, in your in your opening, which was brilliant, by the way, he, he understands that because he knows there are 10 million new gun owners today yeah. because of this. Right. So I think you know when when you put all of this in perspective, I think it leads to a huge victory in November. I'm not frightened of that to say that at all. Yeah, g- good thoughts, Mark. And you know what, what reminded me of when you were saying, "Oh, let's talk about the national debate over defunding the police." <laughs> I said that's kind of like when they write about Boko Haram going into Christian villages in Nigeria, and then the media reports it as there was a clash between Muslims and Christians. I'm like, clash? (laughs) They were invaded by Muslim radicals who were wiping them out. Yeah, it's the same sort of mentality. It's a it's It's a debate. Yeah, yeah. Well, now... And it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not at all. Here's another thing. New York City. Let's talk about New York City for a while, because Bill de Blasio, the insane mayor of New York City, has this Black Lives Matter mural that's on the road in front of Trump Tower as a big political statement. He has allegedly 27 police officers guarding that mural instead of the people. And they have a 300 48% increase in crime. Data from the NYPD has found 854 people injured from gun violence in New York City just this year so far. What what happens to de Blasio for all of this chaos that he is enabling? Well, de Blasio, you know, I, I wish I wish we could charge people in positions of power, politicians. You know, I, this really saddens me. I, I, I'm old enough to remember. I, I lived in Connecticut my senior year in high school, and I went to for the, my freshman year in college the University of Bridgeport. I still don't know why I did that, but I did. My freshman year in college before transferring back to Virginia. But I remember going into the city. My, my college roommate's mother had a bakery on 62nd and Lexington called the Panda Perry. And I lived outside New York prior to moving to Connecticut when my father was moving our family around. We lived in Wayne, New Jersey for about two years. Or, or, or just about a year. So I, I'm familiar with that. But that was back when Cox was running the city. And essentially, it was just a hole, frankly. <laughs> you would drive down the Bowery, and they, at the time, you called them bums. You know, the bums on the Bowery. You couldn't go anywhere near Times Square. It was so violent. It was all red light district everywhere. The city was nothing like it is today. And that was, that's a direct result of both Giuliani and, I've got to give credit where credit is due, although he's one of the biggest gun grabbers the world has ever known, and that's Michael Bloomberg. Yeah. They fixed that city. And de Blasio is now taking it back to where Koch had it and left it and where Dinkins had it and left it. You're seeing it repeat. And, and you talk about the childish behavior of, of de Blasio, who is more concerned about painting a giant, you know, let's face it, it's a slap in the face to Donald Trump and he's happy to do it. This is the petulant, petty mentality of the mayor of New York who wants to paint something in front of Trump Tower instead of going after or now enabling the crime explosion that we're seeing in New York. But this is the mentality of an individual who is all the Democrats, they're across the board, across the spectrum. They are weaponizing everything they can. They've weaponized the coronavirus. They're weaponizing protests, et cetera, to try to take Trump down yet again. It is just all about power. Yeah. I, I, I don't think this bodes well for him. And again, when people around the country see what these Democrats are doing to these cities, this is not this is not helping them come November. Now, the media is making them appear that that it is. Let them have that trap. I think Trump was brilliant in his rally, his first rally back when he made the statement. He said, you know, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm willing to help the cities. All they have to do is ask. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe maybe they shouldn't. America might want to see 
the, what the Democrats are doing to our cities. Mm-hmm. So Trump has got his finger on the pulse here. The, the left is making a huge mistake. Just don't tell him that, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Be sure not to tell him. And, you know, and with de Blasio, it's not helping that his own daughter was one of the protesters who was arrested. Right, right. I mean, quit electing activists. Don't elect progressive activists. How hard is this to tell people? Well, progressive activism, it, when, when you put those two words together, leads to protests that turn violent. That's what America had some very telling statements from the superintendent of uh, Chicago police force. They had, as you mentioned, over the weekend, 65 more people shot. Janet, I've been covering these numbers, as you know, for decades. Yeah. Year to date in Chicago, there have been 1,767 people shot. We're halfway through the year. Wow. And 383 killed. It, it's not going to be unusual. It won't be, it won't be off the chart to see this at 900 to 1,000 killed and 2,500 shot and wounded in, in the city. That's in the city of Chicago, yeah, predominantly no, south and west side. Yeah, not to but, mention uh, the yeah, attacks we, on the cops who were defending the Columbus statue. Right. What about that? Just on Friday, this past Friday, you had an attack on police officers there. And the chief of police, the superintendent in Chicago, made the statement. He says, you know what? We're, our, our right to protest and our, right, our First Amendment right is sacrosanct. We, we will protect it and defend it. It's part of our oath. But no more will we allow what happened to happen again, because we now know that the protest, this was a peaceful protest. So we thought until their intelligence showed them from drone footage, the people that the protesters were actually covering the bad guys who were then changing clothes, hiding under umbrellas and passing out weapons. And the protesters, the actual Black Lives Matter banner was rolled up with PVC pipe that had been sharpened. These were weapons they were using. This was a, and it was put together in, in, in uh, conjunction with the protesters. And when you have the chief of police of Chicago pointing this out, I think this does not, again, bode well for the Democrats at all. No. And they, by the way, their leadership is silent on this, Janet. Yeah. Well, it's Chicago. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what's yep. really outrageous about it. Speaking of cops, I wanted to get your quick opinion on this because we've seen cops retiring like crazy in places like Minneapolis and New York. We had cops walking off the job in Atlanta, cops standing down at this BLM Antifa rally in Denver just a few days ago, Caps uh, the cops uh, hamstrung in Portland. How does this end? I mean, if you have police officers who say, why am I here? Why am I willing to risk my life for this when the politicians don't even care that I'm risking my life for the safety and the protection of its citizens? It doesn't end well. And, you know, I, oh boy, it's, I've had, uh, for example, Sheriff Richard Mack has been on my program. I've had two or three police officers that we've talked to, former officers that I've spoken to on my show on a regular basis that are regular contributors. Would you be a cop today? And the answer across the board, there's without hesitation, is absolutely not. Mm. Would I ever go back to doing that job in today's environment? Wow. No way. And you've got them walking off the job in droves in Atlanta. You know, you had the blue flu hit. The media did. I, it was like they just, the media said, hey, don't cover this too much. We don't want people to panic. Yep. Okay. But again, when it, you've got politicians like Marikisha Lance Bottoms just pulled that gun control thing out of her hat. She said it was Georgia's open carry law that caused the problems in the city in Atlanta. <laughs> Georgia's had open carry since there's been a Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mayor Lori Lightfoot again. And, and I'm, I'm going to put a stake through the heart of this argument right away. Mayor Lori Lightfoot says there are just too many illegal guns coming in from Indiana and Wisconsin. So let me, put, let me end that right now. So the gun problem comes from Indiana and Wisconsin, but the gun problem is in Chicago. All the guns in Indiana and Wisconsin aren't a problem in Indiana and Wisconsin, ma'am. They're only a problem in your city 
It's a lie. Yep. It's a flat-out lie. Yep. Okay. So, again, they're, they're trying to, to place blame and, and cast out and aspersions elsewhere. And, again, it just does not look good. It, it, to me, it, it lends me confidence predicting Trump in November. It really, truly does. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see and, and pray. We really need a restoration of law and order in this country, and people need to wake up. We need to save our country. ArmedAmericanRadio.org. The great host, Mark Walters. Always wonderful to have you, Mark. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Janet. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. We'll be back. This Janet Mefford Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. I have to read to you a quote from Charles Spurgeon about the Word of God. Here's what he said. He said, O Bible, it cannot be said of any other book that it is perfect and pure, but of thee we can declare all wisdom is gathered up in thee without a particle of folly. This is the judge that ends the strife where wit and reason fail. This is the book, untainted by any error, but is pure, unalloyed, perfect, truth. I love that. Isn't that great? It's why we're so committed to getting the Word of God into the hands of believers in Asia through our campaign with Bible League International. It's called Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia, and we are trying to get 1,200 Bibles into the hands of Christians who have been praying, many of them for years, for their own copies of the Word of God. We also want new Christians to be able to have a copy of God's Word as well. Each Bible costs $5, or you can send seven Bibles for $35. All you have to do is call 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or there is a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. We're going to find out more now about what is going on among believers in Asia. Michael Woolworth joins us, Senior Director of Broadcast Media at Bible League International. Michael, so good to talk to you again. How are you? Hey, Janet, great to talk to you. I love that uh, Spurgeon quote. I love it, too. Yeah, I love him in general, but I just love that quote. I said, it's so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, thanks for a few moments to hop on, remind your listeners of this very important campaign. Can I give you a quick uh, update? We would love it, yes. Now, listeners, I don't want you to tune out because this is good news, okay? (laughs) Hey, listen, we did set a goal. Before all this uh, pandemic broke, uh, we decided as two ministries, let's address the dearth of Bibles in Asia. And we did this, why? Because this is where Christianity is growing fastest. It's where watchdog groups will tell us it is arguably the most difficult region of the world to live out your faith. I've said this before at Bible League, we've estimated that as few as one Christian in 10 has a Bible. What's that mean? 90% of evangelical Christians in countries like China, India, Nepal, and Sri Lanka can't be faithful Bereans. They can't go home after they hear the gospel preached uh, in their places of worship and see if what they've been uh, told is uh, the truth. But Janet, let me tell you, we set this goal to get Bibles into the hands of at least 1,200 Christians in Asia, and we're currently at 1,600. Oh, we're praise at 1,600. God. So we've said, hey, can we do it for 2,000? Maybe 3,000? We'll see. We've still got a little time together. But let me say this, from the bottom of our hearts at Bible League, on behalf of the under-resourced churches that we work with around the world, specifically in Asia this time, 
let me say thanks for those Bibles. Hey, that's why they're going to have the Word of God, Janet, because your listeners didn't merely tune in and say, interesting story, difficult. Yeah, what, what a difficult part of the world to live out your faith. But they've responded, and they've done so very, very generously. Well, they're the best. I have to brag on them because I have the best listeners in Christian radio. I really do. And I want to say a personal thank you to you. If you've given money to help purchase a Bible, I can't thank you enough. $5 for one Bible, and a lot of people did. So we are just praising the Lord for that, Michael. We really are because that's really, you know, what you're doing is really a priceless ministry, if you think about it. Because once a believer has a Bible in his or her hand, you have no idea, really, what the Lord is going to do in that believer's life, the family of that believer, or or the church of that believer. And that's that's kind of exciting to say once the word of God is set loose, the Lord could do anything, really strengthening and discipling these new believers and who knows how many believers will follow them because of that one Bible. It's just a really exciting ministry that you have. Well, thanks for that, Janet. This is our 82nd year of ministry. Listen, uh, based on what you just said, you're going to love the story today. I visited uh, Indonesia back in February before, uh, you know, the COVID-19 uh, cases increased and we were all locked down. I almost didn't make the trip because it's monsoon season there. Mm-hmm. And our stay, our country director thought he had COVID-19. He didn't. We were able to make that trip. But uh, yeah, Janet, uh, the, the story that I'll mention today will exemplify why it's so critical to get the Bible into the hands of new believers. And listen, I love the quote from Spurgeon. Let me mention this. Think about the people that have served in that part of the world. Hudson Taylor, William Carey, Eric Little, Amy Carmichael. The list goes on and on. And Janet, they believed and they prayed and lived their lives every day, believing what Jesus said. What? If I be lifted up, I'll draw the nations to myself. And that's exactly what's happening uh, even in the year 2020. Well, that's right. You know, when you were in Indonesia, I know there are probably a lot of listeners, myself included, who have never been to Indonesia. Can you paint a picture of what it's like for believers over there? They call it the Hawaiian Islands of the uh, Pacific uh, This in Southeast Asia. Absolutely beautiful. Um, we started our uh, trip in uh, Jakarta, the second largest urban center of the world. Tokyo's number one. Jakarta's number two with about 35 million people. Uh, it is the largest Muslim-majority country in the world. So if you look around, the statistics are true. You see 10 people, eight follow Islam. They divide that into thirds. They divide that into uh, low identity, mid-identity, uh, high identity, high practice, and it goes on and on from there. Um, we worshiped at a church, Janet, and the, the significance of that day was that was their third anniversary. And in the course of those three years together, the church had been destroyed eight times by radicals. But would you know it, that that day, that church had been standing for about six months, that structure, nothing more than a glorified picnic pavilion, but among those in that congregation were formal radicals who had come to faith in Christ as a result of the faithful witness of those believers, about 125 people. But I want to tell you about uh, really an incredible story. Uh, we were not allowed to go to Papua, Indonesia. Now, you've heard of Papua New Guinea, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, this is Papua, Indonesia. It's on the far east side of uh, that country. And we talked with a man by the name of Pastor Tandi, about 70 years of age, um, a faithful man, uh, had been beaten, jailed over the course of his ministry, had been poisoned by uh, uh, witch doctors. But he had befriended a witch doctor, Janet, a man who was in his 60s, a man by the name of Polly. had a much longer Indonesian name, but he went by Polly. He was a witch doctor, so he was all about voodoo and the black magic, shamanism, animal sacrifice. And again, here's Tandi in his 70s, began to share Christ with this man uh, in invited him to an open-air 
evangelistic crusade. But this came on the heels of something very, very important. These witch doctors would poison people. They would use something called the uh, Jatropha uh, root. This was extremely poisonous. And they gathered in this forest. And this man, Tondi, said, if I'm going to have any credibility with these people, I've got to touch this thing. <laughs> and these witch doctors were, were very reluctant to touch this uh, root because people, again, died on the spot. And he reached down and grabbed this. Wasn't sure if he should or not. But anyway, he gained incredible credibility with these people. Janet, that night when he preached the gospel clearly, 120 of the apprentices that showed up with this man, Paulie, these were people, men and women who were learning the craft of witchcraft, when they heard the gospel plainly preached, they bent the knee to Jesus Christ. They're following him today. And Janet, as we speak, ministry is continuing in that part of Indonesia through a Bible League. 120 former witch doctors are learning what it means to die to self and put on Jesus Christ. And they're among the group that we're putting forth this effort to be able to give them the Word of God in the Indonesian language. It's an amazing story. I mean, even uh, during the COVID-19, this this pandemic that's gripping the world, God is making true on His promise. Jesus said again, if I be lifted up, I'll draw the nations to myself. And that's happening in Indonesia today. Well, you know, what really strikes me about that, that really speaks to a spiritual hunger that is present right there when you're talking about all those people who responded to the preaching of the gospel. But again, you think about Romans 10 and it's saying, you know, uh, blessed are those whose uh, feet bring the good news. And yet who will hear without someone Mm -hmm. to preach? You can't preach just your feelings. You have to preach the word of God. So those pastors need Bibles in order to bring those new believers along. Yeah, you know, I, I love that you mentioned that verse in Romans. I think that comes originally from Isaiah 52, how yep. beautiful are the feet. And as we've already said, your listeners have beautiful feet. Why? Because they are playing an active role in what? Sending the good news. It's no less important than what Pastor Tandi is doing uh, there in Indonesia. And that's an extension of what we can do uh, through efforts uh, like this. Yeah, you know what they heard, Janet? When they heard uh, what Paul wrote in Galatians, he said what? If anyone preaches a different gospel, let them be accursed. They realized they had nothing to do with the gospel, and they were under God's wrath. But again, they repented, they believed the gospel, and again, as we speak, they're going through Bible League's Project Philip, and we promised them a Bible at the end. They'll get that, oh, in the next two, three months. There's about six groups of 20 people each right now in Papua, Indonesia, and again, they're going through Project Philip, and uh, what a joy to be able to tell them as your listeners respond, hey, those Bibles you're praying for and you're needing, they're coming. I love that. Well, if you'd like to get involved, we can use more Bibles. $5 pays for one Bible to be sent to great places like that in Asia. Call now 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD during our Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia campaign with Bible League International. Michael Wilworth with us. Always great to talk to you, Michael. Thank you and keep up the good work. Likewise, Janet. Take care. All right. You too. God bless you. We'll be back on Janet Mefford today. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $199 per month. And there's no network so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible 
medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or visit libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. The Ministry of Preborn is dedicated to helping save preborn babies from abortion through ultrasound, and even in this time of national crisis, Preborn is there. Here's Dan Steiner, president of Preborn. No college classes and sheltering in have led to an explosion of unplanned pregnancies. Women are panicked about their pregnancies and wanting to abort. Our crisis line is the busiest it's ever been. Here's Catherine, one of our crisis line operators. Girls are scared and often seeking abortion as an easy way out. Girls are often desperate being pregnant in this pandemic. With your help, we are able to be here for them. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Would you join Preborn in the cause for life? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. To donate, just call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Call 855-402-BABY. Thank you. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Oh, I have been saying for a while it's going to be a very long election season. Very long. One of the things we have to listen to day in and day out are the weird gaffes of Joe Biden. And when we're not listening to the weird gaffes of Joe Biden, and on some level, I actually feel very sorry for the man. I really do. I think it's elder abuse at this point to let him run for the presidency. But let's put that aside for a while because he also needs to be looked at for his terrible ideas. He spoke this week at the Million Muslim Votes Summit hosted by Engage Action. You got to listen to this clip of presidential hopeful Joe Biden. Cut one. One of the things I think is important, I wish I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. I wish we talked about all the great confessional faiths. It's one of the great confessional faiths. And what people don't realize is one of my avocation is theology. Don't realize is that. We, we all come from the same root here in terms of our fundamental basic beliefs. And uh, I just want to thank you for, uh, for giving me the opportunity, for being engaged, for committing uh, to action this November. You're doing what's been, uh, been that's, uh, that's never been done before. You're registering and turning out one million Muslim voters this November. It matters. Your voice, your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. Muslim Americans' voices matter our communities, to our country, and but we, we all know that your voice hasn't always gotten recognized or represented and uh, or the recognition it deserves. And, uh, and that's your right as a citizen. Oh, boy. Yep. I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith, whatever happened to the wall of separation between church and state. He needs the Muslim votes. Are you kidding me? When you see what's going on in the polls, yes, he's being touted in these national polls that he's X number of points above Trump and X number of points above Trump here and there and everywhere. Fine. Do what you want with the polls. We remember the New York Times saying that Hillary had a 98 percent chance of winning the election right before the election. So we remember how these polls sometimes go. But when he is pandering in this way, there's lots of room to say, really, really, Mr. Vice President, is that really what you want? You want more taught in the schools about the Islamic faith? 
Because let's look, for example, at one of these stories. This was from last year in USA Today. And the headline was 13 countries where being gay is legally punishable by death. Where do you think these countries might be? <laughs> Just take a wild guess. Let's see. Yemen, Iran, Brunei, Mauritania, uh, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Nigeria, Somalia, Sudan, United Arab Emirates, Pakistan. What do all these countries have in common? Think for a moment. Just think for a moment. Let's see. For Pakistan, for example, LGBT rights in Pakistan are a taboo topic. Homosexual acts are illegal. The country's penal code states that uh, carnal relations against the order of nature, which can mean homosexuality, is punishable by a fine and or imprisonment from two years to life. You have in Yemen the law stating that unmarried gay men will be punished with 100 whiplashes or one year in prison, but married gay men face death by stoning. Hmm. It's interesting. Now let's go back to 2017 because then was when Joe Biden was speaking to an LGBT private gala hosted by the DNC in New York. He had some comments when he was warning of transgender Americans who were quote unquote under attack in Republican led states. Listen to this little cut. This is cut two. In the face of such hate, silence and inaction are not permissible. They're inexcusable. Any person of conscience, regardless of their religious or partisan beliefs, should be able to agree that violence against any person in any form is intolerable. No one should be killed, tortured, assaulted, or harassed because of who they are. And to those who try to excuse this kind of discrimination in the name of culture, I say prejudice is prejudice is prejudice, inhumanity is inhumanity. It is wrong no matter what. There is no justification. And the change I see, and I think, Tom, you know this, the change I see from when I was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, and I'd raise the issue of the barbaric nature of the laws in a country, I would be told I was violating cultural norms, whether it was the State Department or other elected officials, would say, that is a different culture. There is no justification in any circumstances to deal with people in an inhumane way. None, none, none. Not religious, not culture, not anything, not history, period. Barbaric laws? Hmm, barbaric laws. Which countries have barbaric laws concerning homosexuality? Hmm, is it England? No. Canada? No. Australia? No, it's Yemen, Sudan, Somalia, you know, barbaric laws. I mean, there you have the vice president saying that when he spoke out against these barbaric laws in these countries that all have one thing in common, that he would get pushback. Kind of funny that he's now turning around and saying, I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. I actually don't object to teaching kids. Hey, listen, listen to all the countries in the world that have death penalties for homosexuals because why wouldn't kids need to know about that i'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek but on the other hand what this points out is he wants to pander for muslim votes but he doesn't really want to speak out against islam he doesn't really want to speak out against sharia 
And it's kind of ironic as well, because you'll recall, I had talked all about this lawsuit that actually prevailed. This was from the Freedom of Conscience Defense Fund against what was going on with that Islamic curriculum that was pushed in the San Diego Unified School District. And they, they ended up getting a settlement over this. But this was put together by CARE. The Council on Islamic American Islamic Relations, the unindicted co-conspirator in the Hamas funding trial, and uh, they had to shut down this curriculum. This curriculum was horrible. I'm reading from Front Page Mag. The school district's program developed with care required training on how to become allies to Muslim students and allowed care officials to teach students about Islamic religious practices and change school curricula to provide an inclusive portrayal of Islam. And students and parents had to watch biased videos. The program started back in April of 2017 based on the lie that Trump's election caused a tidal wave of Islamophobia to swamp the schools. And as this law firm argued in the lawsuit, the district accepted bogus evidence from Muslim students and skewed bullying surveys that generated questionable evidence of discrimination against Muslims. So in other words, they were skewing these results. They were taking a couple of kids talking about bullying. Turned out there was no bullying going on in the San Diego Unified School District against Muslim students. There was no wave of Islamophobia. It was just a narrative pushed by these Muslim Brotherhood type groups. And, and it's how you get Islam to be whitewashed. And the Democrats are all in with these people. They love these radical Islamist activists. They love Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and all the rest of these radicals, the squad that we've seen so much horror from in terms of Omar talking about the need to dismantle the American system. Oh, that's great. Put somebody like that in Congress. Well, why not? You have your activists on the streets in Portland and you have your activists in Congress from Minnesota. And why not? Where did all of this insanity start this year? It started in Minneapolis. Fabulous. Keith Ellison's another great one. There's a fine, respectable man. Let's put more people like that in office and join together with Joe Biden and we'll just have the most awesome country ever. And I'm sure he'll speak out against all of these barbaric acts when he's president, right? If he becomes president. Oh, no. You know, I... Really? And, and here's what's really ironic. Do you remember when you had that Muslim attack on that nightclub, the gay nightclub in Orlando? At the time, the Clarion Project pointed out that y- you have Sharia, guys. I mean, it, it, why don't you talk about what's going on when you have an Islamic state based on Sharia? You know, she mentions this writer does this viral video with footage of a, an imam speaking at the Husseini Islamic Center in Sanford, Florida, arguing it's compassionate to execute homosexuals. And the quote from this imam was, quote, let's get rid of them now. Close quote. There was another example she listed, the chairman of the executive council of the Feet Council of North America, which is part of ISNA, this Muslim Brotherhood entity. ISNA is the Obama administration's top Muslim outreach partner, at least when, you know, when he was president. And this guy, Siddiqui, said in 2001 that he opposed attacking homosexuals but supports Sharia states that execute them. So it's fine. As long as the state is executing them, he's good. He said it's impossible to be Muslim and gay, which means that any gay person identifying as a Muslim is an apostate. That's a death sentence, according to the top Sharia authorities. But if you listen to the left, Christians are the terrible ones on the issue of homosexuality. It's Christians who are the problem. We're the ones saying, preach the gospel. The Lord Jesus can transform you through the repentance and faith in him and his shed blood and his resurrection from the dead. 
anybody has the hope of transformation through the Holy Spirit and faith in Jesus Christ. There is hope. There is redemption. There is salvation for every sinner who will turn and repent and place his faith in Christ. That's the message of the gospel. And that's what we have to hold up over and against the reality on the ground about Islam. We got to leave it there. Thanks for being with us. This hour, Janet Mefford today brought to you by Bible League. Help us send 1,200 Bibles to Asia. $5 sends one Bible. Call 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD.